Hey guys, and welcome to a new episode. This is your host, Mohammed. We'll get started today with a review. What are the cystic lesion of the lower male urogenital tract? If they're medial in location, we have prostatic utricle cyst and malarian duct cyst. If they are pyramid line, then we have eject, ejaculatory duct cyst. Again, pyramid line is ejaculatory duct cyst and medial is prostatic utricle and malarian duct cyst. Differences between technetium mag3 and technetium DTPA in terms of their excretion and their uses. We'll start with mag3. Mag3 is mainly tubularly secreted and it cannot evaluate renal plasma flow. It has high first pass excretion and good for imaging the sick kidney. For DTPA, it is 100% glomerular filtration and they want you to know this in the test that it is 100% glomerular filtration and like DTP, well, unlike MAG3, which we said has tubular secretion, it is, DTPA is very cheap, but it gives us terrible pictures in sick kidney. So for imaging of sick kidney, we use MAG3. Now, it has multiple uses outside of the kidney, which can be used for brain death study, for cisternogram, for shunt patency, and aerial cellized form used for VQ scan. Again, in terms of renal function, MAG3 is tubular secretion, and DTPA is 100% glomerular filtration. MAG3 is about 97% tubularly secreted. MAG3 is good for sick kidney, DTPA is bad for sick kidney, and it gives terrible pictures. Common list of hypervascular liver metastasis include renal cell carcinoma, insulinomas, carcinoid, sarcomas, melanoma, and breast cancer. These metastases are hypervascular and will demonstrate late arterial enhancement. Again, uh, renal cell carcinoma, insulinoma, carcinoid tumor, sarcoma, melanoma, and breast cancer. Colon cancer and pancreatic cancer are hypovascular as compared to these lesions. Defining the regions of the renogram curve, so this is for nuclear medicine IVP studies. Typically, after injection of the radio tracer, we typically expect to see parenchymal peak in three to five minutes. So after injection within three to five minutes, we sh this is the peak of radio tracer concentration within the kidney. Now, we should expect to start seeing urinary excretion by approximately four minutes, and then parenchymal clearance should reach about 50% at 10 minutes. Again, for a normal parenchymal renogram curve, we have the peak about three minutes, then we should start seeing secre excretion at four minutes, and finally, parenchymal clearance should reach 50% of the peak by 10 minutes. Differential for bilateral distal clavicular erosions. So it would be systemic diseases because we have bilateral disorders, so hyperparathyroidism, rheumatoid arthritis, scleroderma, and cleidocranial diastosis. Again, bilateral resorption of the distal clavicle, hyperparathyroidism, rheumatoid arthritis, scleroderma, and cleidocranial diastosis. For unilateral resorption of the distal clavicle, we think of either metastatic process, infectious process, trauma, and oddly rheumatoid arthritis. Again, rheumatoid arthritis can be bilateral or unilateral, and then post-traumatic, commonly seen in weightlifters, metastasis, and osteomyelitis, and myeloma. So traumatic, rheumatoid, and metastatic processes play a role in unilateral distal clavicular erosions. MRI double delta sign, this is associated with bucket handle meniscal tear, where the 
inner meniscal fragment is flipped anteriorly adjacent to the anterior horn of the donor site so you'll have two menisci and giving you the double delta sign the original location of the posterior horn remains empty and give us give the sign or the appearance of a ghost meniscus again double delta sign associated with bucket handle tearing of the meniscus the inner meniscal fragment would flip anteriorly and becomes adjacent to the anterior horn of the donor site the original location of the posterior horn donor site is empty and gives the name of ghost meniscus differences between the arcuate sign and second sign so arcuate sign is a small avulsion of the proximal fibula so posterior lateral corner and it is associated with both acl and pcl second sign is associated with acl injury and it is due to avulsion fraction fracture of the proximal lateral tibia so second is of the tibia arcuate sign is of the fibula again arcuate sign small avulsion of the proximal fibula and second sign is avulsion of the proximal lateral tibia arcuate sign is associated with both acl and pcl tear and second sign is associated with acl tear or injury what is the half-life of i125 i would like to bring your attention here i'm talking about i125 not i123 or i131 this is i125 this is a unique radio tracer i believe it's used for the breast seed when we put the seed in breast for surgery we use i125 this is a different radio tracer than the ones we mentioned the i123 and the i131 i125 half-life is 60 days again i125 half-life is 60 days what is patellar tendon lateral femoral condyle fraction syndrome otherwise known as hoffa pad impingement syndrome this is a cause of anterior knee pain particularly in active individuals and it is thought to patellar maltracking again patellar tendon lateral femoral condyle friction syndrome exactly as the name sounds it's patellar maltracking the other name for this disorder is hoffa's fat pad impingement syndrome hoffa's fat pad because we see abnormal increased signal in the fat consistent with the patellar maltracking normal distribution of renal function ratios typically the kidney has 20 percent of glomerular filtration and 80 percent of tubular secretion again kidney normally 20% glomerular filtration and 80% tubular secretion. Most common causes of sensorineural hearing loss, typically due to inner ear pathology, this is vestibular aqueduct enlargement and cochlear malformation. Again, most common causes of sensorineural hearing loss is inner ear pathology to, due to vestibular aqueduct enlargement and cochlear malformation. What do you call fluid around the Achilles tendon? So typically when we have fluid around a tendon, we call it tenosynovitis because the tendon would have a tendon sheath. While the Achilles tendon does not have a tendon sheath, so fluid around it is called Achilles peritonitis, not tenosynovitis. Again, fluid around the Achilles is Achilles peritonitis because it does not have a tendon sheath, but generally fluid around any tendon is called tenosynovitis types of prosthetic nodules and their t2 signal characteristics we have glandular bph which is t2 bright and stromal bph which is t2 dark the way i think of it stromal bph is stroma and stromers stroma is fibers and thick fibers tissue is t2 dark because it doesn't have water and then glandular a lot of glands gland have water and it's t2 bright again let's repeat it one more time for prosthetic nodules we have two type glandular 
and stromal. Stromal is T2 dark and glandular is T2 bright. Role of the spring ligaments. The spring ligament complex, otherwise known as calcaneal navicular ligament, it attaches the calcaneum to the navicular bone and it supports the talus. Again, spring ligament is the calcaneal navicular ligament and it functions in supporting the talus. Hemangioendothelioma or epithelioid hemangioendothelioma. This is a rare vascular malignancy of the liver characteristically appears as multiple hypodense spherical subcapsular masses then can become confluent and may cause capsular retraction. These masses or nodules can have halo or target appearance. It is different from hepatoblastoma by having a normal AFP. Obviously, hepatoblastoma have an elevated AFP. Again, hemangioendothelioma is a very vascular tumor, characteristically having multiple hypodense spherical subcapsular masses that can become confluent, may cause capsular retraction, and can have halo or target appearance with normal AFP, which differentiates it from hepatoblastoma. Easy question that can be easily asked with a x-ray of the hip is the pelvic muscle insertions and we'll start from the top on the iliac crest we have the abdominal muscles on the anterior superior iliac spine we have sartorius on the anterior inferior iliac spine rectus femoris on the greater trochanter we have the gluteus medius and minimus on the lesser trochanter we have the iliopsoas on the ischial tuberosity we have the hamstring and on the symphysis pupus, we have the adductor muscles. Again, from the top, on the iliac crest, we have the abdominal muscles. On the anterior superior iliac spine, the sartorius. Anterior inferior iliac spine, rectus femoris. On the greater trochanter, the gluteus medius and minimus. On the lesser trochanter, the iliopsoas. On the ischial tuberosity, the hamstrings, and on the pubis symphysis, adductor muscles. Imaging features of interosseous lipomas. Now, typically, most common presentation for intraosseous lipoma is pain. However, approximately one third of them are incidental. Most common locations for intraosseous lipoma. The most common of all is the calcaneus, then subtrochanteric region of the femur, distal tibia and fibula, and the metatarsals. Now, one-third of lipomas may contain non-adipose tissue, and the key thing is to differentiate a lipoma from a well-differentiated liposarcoma. What are common features of a well-differentiated liposarcoma? One is the size typically larger than 10 centimeter with thick septation, globular or nodular soft tissue, and consist of less than 75% fat. Again, features of a well-differentiated liposarcoma, large in size, greater than 10 centimeter, with thick septation and globular or nodular soft tissue component, and it is made of less than 75% fat. A radiolucent renal stone, typically associated with which HIV therapy? In denivir, which is a protease inhibitor, is known to form radiolucent renal stones. Again, in denivir, will form radiolucent renal stones. What ligaments make up the deltoid ligament? So the deltoid ligament is seen on the medial ankle, and it's made up of four ligaments. The posterior tibiotalar, the tibiocalcaneal, the anterior tibiotalar, and the tibionavicular ligaments. Again, deltoid ligament, medial ankle, made up of four ligaments, the posterior tibiotalar, anterior tibiotalar, tibiocalcaneal, and tibionavicular ligaments. Most specific tests to distinguish 
FNH from other hepatic masses, prolonged enhancement of the FNH on hepatobiliary secretion on delayed imaging. So these are images obtained on 20 minutes and typically the tracer used or the contrast material used is AOVIST. Again, so AOVIST is hepatobiliary agent and secreted through bile. Prolonged enhancement distinguishes FNH from other hepatic masses. Telonavicular coverage angle. Now this is one of the indications used to define flat foot. The way this angle is measured is we draw two lines, one connecting the edges of the articular surface of the talus and the other line connecting the edges of the articular surface of the navicular bone. The angle between these two lines when they intersect should be less than seven degrees in a normal person. If it is greater than seven degrees, then this would indicate lateral Taylor subluxation, which is a which is consistent with pes planus or flat foot. Again, telonavicular coverage. We draw two lines, one connecting the articular surface of the talus, the other one connecting the articular surface of the navicular. These lines when they intersect should form an angle of less than seven degrees. If the angle any greater than seven degrees, this would be consistent with lateral subluxation of the talus, and this would be an indication of flat foot. Mechanism of less frank ligament injury or fracture. This is known as tarsal metatarsal fracture or dislocation. So normal alignment of the tarsal metatarsal bones. The first metatarsal should be centered at the first cuneiform. Then the second metatarsal medial margin should be aligned with the medial margin of the second cuneiform. And the third metatarsal lateral margin should be aligned with the lateral margin of the third cuneiform. For fracture or ligamentous disruption along the tarsal metatarsal, we have three types of disruption. We can have homolateral, where following the fracture or the tearing of the ligament, all the metatarsal heads are typically displaced laterally, or we can have isolated, where we only have the first metatarsal bone displaced medially, or we can have the divergent, where the first metatarsal is displaced medially, and then the lateral four meaning second through fifth metatarsal are displaced laterally again this is divergent divergent when the first is displaced medially and the other four displaced laterally isolated when there is medial displacement of the first metatarsal due to ligament disruption or the less frank ligament disruption which is the tarsal metatarsal ligament and finally homolateral where there is disruption of all the tarsal metatarsal ligaments and there is lateral dislocation of all the metatarsals. Ulnar impaction syndrome, this is also known as the ulnar abutment or ulnar carp carpal loading. Again, ulnar impaction syndrome or ulnar abutment or ulnar carpal loading. This is where the ulnar head would impact along the ulnar-sided carpal bone due to injury of the triangular fibrocartilage complex. Again, ulnar head impaction along the carpal bone on the ulnar side with injury to the triangular fibrocartilage complex, the TFCC. Let's end here today and we'll pick it up tomorrow. Thank you guys.